I'm just going to get my notes. <laughs> I think one of the hardest jobs that there must be to do, fun though, it might be fun, but I think hard, is to be a camera person for the BBC filming a wildlife documentary. Do you know the wildlife documentaries I'm thinking of? They're really good, aren't they? And we watch about an hour of that documentary, but you know that there's been months and months and months of someone sitting in a ditch, in a hide, what do you call it, a hide? A hide, I was going to say hive, but that's not right, a hide, uh, sitting as still as possible for months and months to get the one shot they needed. That's a hard part of that job. But there's an even harder part to that job, and it's this, that the BBC have a policy. You cannot intervene in something you see that you are filming in nature. Do you know that policy? I think that's got to be really hard, hasn't it? Because imagine if you see a little lion cub fallen into a river, and it's scrabbling to get up the banks, and you're just filming it, watching, and you could just pick it up, as long as the mother's not around, pick it up <laughs> and help it on, and off it would go. But you might have to just sit there and watch this little cub maybe even get lost in the river. Or you might see a little bunny rabbit grazing, eating its grass, and you see a fox in the undergrowth ready to pounce, and all you'd have to do is go, and the rabbit would scarper, and you would have saved that rabbit. That's got to be a hard job, hasn't it? I can imagine a few camera people with tears as they see something really horrible happen. Now, many of us in the world, even as Christians, can have a sort of similar view of God. That he sits there up on high like a cameraman, filming everything that's going on in our lives, watching us, but never intervening, never stepping in, sees the thing coming, sees the bad thing coming, sees the trouble we're in or the suffering that's going on. And all he would need to do is give us a little clap to warn us to avert the danger or rescue us from that little trouble we're in. Sometimes we feel like God is like that. God, why are you watching but not doing? Many of the Psalms in the Old Testament speak like that. Lord, where are you? What's going on? Are you asleep? Don't you care? Many people can feel that way. Especially when we see some of the big things going on in the world, don't we? Whether it's a war in Ukraine, or economic crisis, or a famine, or wildfires going on. God, you could just pour a bucket of water. You could make it rain in, in some of these places and the fires would go out. Why are you sitting back and not acting? But then there's a difficult question, isn't there? We might cry out for God to intervene more than he does. But at the same time, would we always want him intervening in our lives? when things go wrong. Maybe you've not thought of it that way round before. Can you imagine if God perhaps did look at some of our lives sometimes and he intervened every time we were about to make a mistake or about to do something that's wrong or not right or going to harm someone or do something? Honestly, he would have to lock my front door and strap me down to the sofa and not let me do anything at any point ever. Actually, sometimes we want God to just go away and leave us alone to get on with our own lives. 
So although we might sometimes cry out, Lord, intervene more, other times in reality is we wish actually we were just left alone to get on with the, our lives. Actually, it's a real balance in life, isn't it? Even when you're raising children or whatever it is, where you've got to balance that freedom with intervention. It's an interesting question. Or maybe it's even the case, actually, that God intervenes a lot more than we realize. Maybe he actually does. Psalm 91 is fascinating. It's a psalm all about the Messiah. And actually, the devil quotes from Psalm 91 uh, when he's tempting Jesus about jump off, jump off Jesus, jump off the temple roof, and as you're falling, according to Psalm 91, the angels will rush down and catch you. And it says in Psalm 91 about the Messiah that God wouldn't even let him stub his toe on a rock as he walks along the road. So Psalm 91 actually does suggest that God, at least for the Messiah, intervenes all the time to make sure he's well protected. Maybe he does do a lot of that in our lives. Maybe actually it is dangerous to leave our front doors and the Lord is actually intervening all the time without us knowing. In fact, actually the Bible says that God even has to control the tide each day to stop it from washing over all of us and drowning us all. Every day the Lord faithfully intervenes with the tides and it comes so far and he says, back you go, no further. I don't know if you've thought about how often is God actually intervening in the world? But I know that we've all had those moments where we say, God, couldn't you have just intervened before I did that? Couldn't you have just intervened before I got ill? Couldn't you have intervened before that war started? I bet for Mary and Martha and Lazarus in this story, well, I don't bet, they do actually say it, don't they? They say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Look at verse 21. When Martha finally sees Jesus turn up on the scene, she, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then again, Mary says the same thing in verse 32. Um, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then even uh, the enemies of Jesus, those who are cynical and skeptical about Jesus, they say, verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? In other words, the whole way through this story, it appears that Jesus has turned up too late. He didn't intervene. And the actual story, you get the feeling that Jesus purposefully does that. Not only did he not, it wasn't that he couldn't intervene, you actually see that he purposefully didn't intervene in this situation. That's really surprising, isn't it? He delayed going to visit Lazarus, delayed till he knew he had died in order that he could go and do this wonderful miracle. But in the moment for Mary, Martha, and I'm sure Lazarus, I'm sure Lazarus was really hoping and praying Jesus would turn up before he died. He didn't. Was Jesus just like this cameraman, filming the scene, but not willing or not able or to get involved and intervene? Why does it always seem that God turns up too late? I'm sure we've all been through bereavements of some sort or known people that have died. 
Why didn't Jesus show up and stop it happening? Why did he leave it too late? For many of us, uh, maybe not so much Christians, but for the world, that's a real problem, isn't it? It's a real reason why people don't believe in God because of all these things that are happening. He didn't stop it. Well, let's just have a couple of thoughts here that can help us. Perhaps I can't unpack all of that today, but perhaps we can have a few thoughts. Firstly, just because Jesus didn't intervene in the particular thing that you might have in mind, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you or that God is not loving you or does not love you. Why do I say that? Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He may not have intervened at that moment in his timing, but he certainly does care deeply, deeply. I find that really reassuring and important. God is not sitting lofty and high in his privileged position, protected from all the suffering of the world, guarding himself against all of that, saying, I don't care. Jesus wept. He showed up. He mourned with the mourners, and he comforted Mary and Martha. In fact, those on looking, he was obviously weeping so much because, verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him, Lazarus. See how much he must have loved him that he's weeping this much. Such an important truth that when you, as a believer, are going through tough times and you think, God, where are you? You can be sure of this. Jesus is weeping with you. He's not absent. He may not be intervening in the way you want him to at that moment, but he is with you weeping. And here's another important truth about that. Is that I think I would rather know the comfort of Jesus in and through hard times than never needing it in the first place. I'll say that again. I think I would rather know the comforting presence of Jesus with me in the tough times than never having tough times at all and never needing his presence. I'm not saying you have to pick either of those. He, does into, he might help and do things, of course. But the truth of the Christian, the truth of Christian testimony throughout the ages is I could go through the valley of the shadow of death, but if you're with me, that's all right. I would rather go through the valley with you with me than never being with you and never facing the valley. Do you see it? That's a Christian testimony. Jesus wept. He cares for you. He loves you. He's with you. And actually, it's a glorious thing to know the company and comfort of Jesus. Glorious thing. Secondly, Jesus is not a God of patching everything up, but he is a God of resurrection. What's the difference? God is not a God of patching everything up, but he's a God of resurrection. So important. You see, we want God to constantly go round our lives 
patching things up, making things better, stopping bad things in the moment, fixing things as they go. One of, my, um, one of the most important tools that I have in my house that I use to fix everything, I've only got one tool in the house, it fixes everything, is this, gaffer tape. Good for anything, whatever you need, even if you know your wall is falling down, you get the gaffer tape out, out and you wrap as much as you need around it. Some things only need one wrap round, and it will do, but you could wrap your whole house in gaffer tape and it will be fine. But do you know what I mean? Gaffer tape, it's the go-to, isn't it? A little leaky tap, a broken pipe, a chair that's wobbling, get the gaffer tape out. But the thing is, oh, and yes, I've got evidence here of my gaffer tape solutions on my old Bible. Uh, gaffer taped up. It's more gaffer tape than word of God at the moment. Not really very good. But that's the problem, isn't it? If we only patch things up ever, we end up our lives are more gaffer tape than anything else. And we know that that's only a temporary solution. It might work for a year or a bit longer, but it's temporary solution. Right? Now, the resurrection of Lazarus in this story is only a patching up that Jesus does in this story. He raises Lazarus from the grave. Yes, it's an amazing miracle. But he raises him. It's almost like a, a patching up job where Lazarus has still got the same problems as he's always going to have. He's still going to grow old. He's still going to get sick again someday and he will still die again. Jesus did a good patch-up job and we kind of wish he would do a lot more of that in our lives. He does do some of that in our lives. He really does. Jesus does fix things and help us along the way, patching things up. But if we're only ever looking to God to patch things up all the time, we've missed the gospel. The gospel is not just about patching things up, but it's about radical new life. It's about putting you to death in order that he can bring you to a new, immortal, imperishable, never to get sick again, never to suffer again, never to experience pain again, eternal glory and life. That's what Jesus is into. Because Christian, if you're only looking for temporary fixes, we're always going to be disappointed with God. We're always going to say, God, why? Why did you let it happen? You fixed it before, why did you not fix it the next time? I got sick the other day, but I got better. But one day I'm going to get sick, and I'm not going to get better. I'm going to say, why don't you just keep forever fixing it? Well, can you picture that? I'm getting older and older and older. He keeps patching me up, and I've ended up more gaffer tape than anything else. That's no good. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want to keep patching up the world. He wants to fix the world. He wants to put it into the grave and raise it to something new without the fundamental problems that it had. That's why Jesus delays in this passage. He wants to show us that even if Lazarus dies, even if we all die, even if he doesn't fix it, there will be a day where Jesus will raise us all. Mary and Martha know that. Martha knows that in verse 24. She says, I know Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever comes to me will live even though they die. 
We need real solutions to the real problems. Remember the Rubik's Cube? Maybe the world is like a Rubik's Cube that is so complicated now, so crazy difficult. No politician can fix a few things. No one can patch up the real little issues of life and fix it all up. It's such a mess. Only through the resurrection of Jesus and putting it to death and raising it fixed and new and proper and good will do. That's what we are to hope for as Christians. We mustn't be surprised when things do go wrong. We mustn't be surprised where sometimes it looks like God didn't intervene and it all went wrong. Because here's my final point. It's never too late with Jesus. See, in this story, for a few days, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus must have, well, Lazarus was dead by that point, but Mary and Martha must have known it is too late now, Jesus. Too late. Too late. It's happened. It's gone. It's too late. But not with Jesus. Not with Jesus. It's not too late. You might think this morning, well, it's too late for me. I've lived most of my life, too many things gone by, too many things that can't be undone now. I'm too weak to sort it all out. I haven't got time to make amends. I'm not strong enough to work anymore. I can't solve this problem, I can't solve that problem. It's all too late for me, and it's already too late for my loved ones. Not with Jesus, it's not. Not for those who love him. It's never too late. But that's the key point. It is for those who belong to Jesus. Because actually, for those who never come to Jesus, those who never befriend him, those who never accept his offer, it can be too late, actually. For those that never cry out to Jesus or know him as their friend, they can be lost forever. But what I love about John 11 is how often it says throughout this passage what good friendship he had with Lazarus. See what a friend he was of Lazarus. It comes up constantly in the story. Verse 3, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. Or verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Or verse 11, where it says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. That's Jesus' words. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And then, of course, verse 36, where it says, see how Jesus loved him. If you are a friend of Jesus, it is never too late. Never too late. He may not patch up with gaffer tape every moment you want him to. And even if one day you get lost to the grave, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. They will live. Do you believe this? Or are you only believing in him to fix things every moment things go wrong? Or do you believe him for the big one, the big thing, the thing that really counts? And as soon as you do, 
His resurrection life will begin in your heart today. First, inwardly, where we need it most. Spiritual new life, a new heart, a new spirit that begins to start to take shape again. And then one day, when this body is in the tomb, one day, our bodies will follow in that resurrection glory. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is such a difficult question for us to ask. Why do you not intervene more? Why do you not stop the bad things happen before they happen? O oh Lord, in your wisdom you know. But this we do know. Jesus loves us. And you love us, Father, with the same undying love. And you're happy to sit with us in the muck and in the mud, in the dust of the floor, and you are happy to weep with us. Thank you that you are not distant or far away, but came to live with us in your Son. But thank you, Lord, it's not just comfort he brings, but a sure and living hope through the resurrection. Not just a constant patching up, but a real solution to life's real problems of death and evil and darkness and suffering and pain. Thank you, Jesus, that one day we will hear your voice even when we're in the grave and we will rise to your new heavens and new earth, a place where there is no more mourning or crying or pain or suffering or death where the old order of things has passed away and the new has come. We look forward to that day. As unseen as it is, we look forward to what is unseen. For what is unseen is eternal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.